I'll just add a plug that I am doing a, a series on tough topics uh, coming up. Well, I'll be talking about things that are debatable in the culture or the Christian culture. I'll be talking about child discipline. Um, I'll be talking about sexuality, homosexuality, and the um, transgender and all that, how God views that um, to the best of my ability. And um, you'll hear some gracious answers uh, that God has. Um, also um, sprinkled with, uh, well, not anchored and founded in truth. And uh, I'll also be talking about women in ministry. Sometimes people ask us, you know, what about these certain scriptures um, that we think say this, and some say they say that. And um, you don't want scriptures just to say what you think your tickled ears want to hear, but you want to hear the truth of, this, of the Bible. And, um, and uh, why do we have women that, that lead things? And, uh, and, um, and some churches do not. And uh, so I want to talk about that. How many find these things interesting? Yeah. And um, yeah, the sermons will only be one minute long, so get here on time. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, the, the one on sexuality, you'll, you'll hear it. Um, I'm going to say that it's going to be 13 and above. It's PG-13. It's an R13. I'd prefer not having young kids, not because I'm going to say things that are uh, vulgar. I'm not going to go outside of what Scripture talks about. Um, but I don't want to accidentally adulterify kids. You know what I mean? By, by saying something. So if you have young ones, I just encourage you to make sure they're in kids' ministry, and I will say it again on that day, uh, just so I can speak real frankly and... Um, how, how many know I'm not full of baloney? I'm just a straight shooter. You know, I'm just going to be straight shooting that thing. And if you do have, uh, you know, friends from the lesbian and gay community, um, I, I encourage you, you can bring them and you can hear um, what we believe the Bible says. And it's going to be truth. And at the very least, you can find out what the Bible says about it. Um, and usually those things are the hard line or the we just let everything go. And we want to find out what the Bible really says, if you care about what the Bible says. How, how many care about what the Bible says? No, nobody cares what I have to say, trust me. My opinions don't matter at all. And, you know, I do want to put, uh, I am going to be talking about victorious prayer, but um, we are talking about adventure teams, you know, people to, to greet and serve as people come in. Uh, you know, there's a time when you're going to church and you say, and people will say, hey, I go to, I go to your church. They'll, they'll think it's my church. And can I tell you, I don't have a church. I go to church too. This is Jesus's church. Amen. Amen. We're not the one true church. You, you know what I mean? There's, there's churches, you know, the, there's, there's South Mountain, there's the Rock, there's the Christian church that proclaims Jesus as the Christ, that believe that we're saved by grace through faith, and that it's not works, um, that we're saved by grace alone. But it's, there's a time when you're just going to church, and you're one of those people who are going, I'm going to church, I'm going to that church, and there's a time when you realize that this building is not the church, that you're the church. And you're no longer going to church, but when people come from the world out in the marketplace, in the community, they come and they meet you, the church. That's kind of what our adventure teams are on Sunday. You're that all during the week. This, this whole thing we do on Sunday is only a couple hours. That certainly cannot define the church. Right? Those little two hours that, that we meet here, we do a couple services. So that little chunk of time is an important part of the biblical you know, explanation and discipleship when they met together to hear the disciples and the apostles and the teachers teaching. And it's an important time. Um, but it's also during the week. But when people come here from the, the community and say, hey, I want to check out the church, I hope they meet you. And adventure teams is one of our ways to organize that. And we should have people greeting people, don't you think? And I, I hope, honestly, and I, I know once, when I make these statements, someone will get zeal for about three weeks and then they'll lose their zeal until I build them up. And whenever my team says, get out there and you know, get them excited, it's like I hate doing that because I'd rather get you connected to God and let him get you excited. Because if God actually gets you excited to become the church, we'll have hundreds of people out there greeting in the morning. 
and you won't be going, which service will I go? Just go to both services and just be the greeting one, team, one service and just serve. And then the other service come and be fed and grow. You'll probably grow more the first one. Did you know that? And I went to Smith's last night and I saw this picture. That's what, and I, and I just looked at it and snapped a picture of it. Because I said, how would you like if our church was like that? Like, there was one manager there. I, I know. I know everybody at my Smiths because I know everybody at all the different places I go most of the time. And people who are with me go, you know them? I go, yeah, I know them. Because wherever I go, I try to meet the people that work there or go there, you know, because I feel like we need to not just pastor the people here, but we need to pastor our city. We need to love our city. But I was laughing with the manager, and I told her I was going to show this picture. And she goes, why? And I go, because no one greeted me when I came in, I told her. (laughs) I said, except for these three people. (laughs) And I I was trying to imagine Smith's marketing department. Like like you want to walk in the store, and you kind of just want to go, wow, there's these three people kind of there greeting me. One is the same picture twice. You know, and I, I can't say if they're different races, but you know, usually whenever you get posters like that, there's always someone who's Chinese or someone who's black or someone white. There's an Indian. You know, they're trying to trying to cover all the bases to say we're diverse, and which don't you know, you can't express that with a poster. Express it with your life, amen. amen. But it's kind of funny. You get there, and and you're sort of uh, you know, this is our greeting team. And I go, maybe we should do that at the adventure. We, we never need to recruit anybody. Just when you walk in, you'll just see the picture of me and Ira going. <laughs> and it'll say, worship. <laughs> you know, pointing in here, and the other one just goes, prayer. <laughs> How many know we'd rather have real people? Yeah. That's right. And, and um, <laughs> we, I, I hate it if we have to be the phony church. You know, where, you know, just smile because you're faking it. Um, I, I encourage you to be strong in the Lord during the week so that when you come here, you don't have to fake it. Yeah. Okay? But if you are weak, just come in with the sad face. Seriously. Turn to somebody and they say, how's your day? Don't go, yeah, it's great, because you're lying. Just go, how's your day? Just go, terrible. But then get prayer. And watch God change you for real so that you get transformed. Um, and, you know, Ira said we have a different season coming up and we're, we're kind of reaching the point of eventually we have to move out of this place. Our lease is uh, used up and um, we can renew it if we wanted to, but we all have a sense, at least on our leadership team, uh, that spread out through our church that we've kind of run, you know, like on Wednesday nights, this place is pretty packed. There is no room. Uh, to do things. And I've had people say through the years that you just kind of hear people say, they'll go, the church just cares about buildings. Can I be honest with you? I do not give a rat's potato about buildings, honestly. Sometimes buildings can be a stinking waste of money. Seriously, I, I totally believe that. But there are times, and, and, and if you notice our building, we try to we try to utilize it all the time with as many things as we can so that it's not a waste of time and not a waste of space with whatever kinds of things. We have all kinds of different things that are going on from Jesus feeds to you name it. And Jesus feeds is going, man, we need more room and more storage. And every ministry, we need more of this and that. And we have vision and dream that we believe from God is for colleges and other kinds of things that we want to build on campus and film and other stuff that we've had dreams of for a long time. Not just me, but many of us. And um, it's not the buildings we love, it's the things we can do in a building that we love. And I really believe that God wants to do a remarkable thing. The statistic's been out there for a long time that if the church would just give the first fruit to God, just the very first fruit, that we would have enough money as a church to get rid of poverty worldwide. Did you know that? That that is an incredible statistic. It means that God in his sovereignty is basically, I believe, looking at the church and saying, I gave you enough 
Because you might think, I only made 100 bucks. Well, the first 10 bucks wasn't yours anyway. And the whole 100 bucks is from God. But if you walk and act like you made the whole 100 bucks, then you don't understand the concept of God's provision. That God's actually providing for you. God can give you more and he can give you less. And I, I know, I always meet people going, if I just work an extra day, yeah, we'll just see how that works out. Because God will just give you less. You know? And, 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 and I've seen people, I've made this much money. But by the time they come to the adventure, they go, now I only have that much money. And I go, it's exactly the time you come to the adventure. You come to the adventure when you don't have any money. Isn't that true? Because oftentimes God wants you more dependent on him than he wants you on the cash. Right? I'm, listen, I'm not preaching at you. I could be sitting right next to you and getting the same message for myself. There are times when my, I'm fearing or trusting and anxious, but not near as much as I used to be. Probably one-tenth of what my life used to be. Because God is good. Amen? All right. Well, I'm going to pray and get right to it. I, I want to talk about prayer, and I want to tie it into what we want to do in a week of prayer. We really want to mobilize some prayer, and I've had several of you come up to me and, um, and say we should do more prayer as a church. And we pray very diligently as a staff, and um, we encourage our small groups to mobilize prayer. But sometimes it's nice we as a group will come for prayer. And I'm going to talk about a Thursday at 12 and 6 that we're going to meet us in prayer and that we're going to suggest five topics of focus uh, today, tomorrow, all the way through Thursday um, that would lead us to prayer, to lead us not only individually, but as a corporate body. I have learned in my walk with God that when the church is going through something, the church itself as an organization, as, a, as an entity before God, and by the way, the whole book of Acts is about the church, you know? I was talking to someone the other day, and they're going, there's church and there's parachurch. And I knew what he was talking about, but I was going to tell him, there's no church and parachurch. The New Testament's only about the church. And I'm not talking about this building. And I'm not talking about the adventure structure. I'm talking about the people of God as a unit. Amen? Amen. And God wants to give us strength, and he wants to give us power. I promise you that today in this message, that God is going to give you some profound truth. There's going to be some times you're just going to go, yep, I know that. And there's going to be times when you're going to go, oh my gosh, that's true. And it's going to change the way you think. I hope it impacts not just your mind, but your heart as well. Because God intends it to be. And he wants to change us as a church. Do I hear amen? Amen. All right. Turn to somebody and just say, God's going to do something today. Father, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds. Lord, I want to grow in prayer. I thank you of the deepness and the richness and the encouragement, Lord, that you've given me that I so appreciate prayer. And I love its, um, I love its journey. Lord, I love its intimacy. I love its side effects. Lord, um, I love how it draws me into what you're doing so that I know what you're doing. Lord, it shows me how to get off my own agenda and that my agenda has no power. Lord, and yours does, and that's what I want to be a part of. Lord, I pray that you would bring about in our souls right now a love and a depth and a richness, Lord, of victorious prayer. Prayer that wins, that does the right thing. Lord, I pray that you do that for our families, for our relationships. Lord, for all the deep and uh, things that you're doing in our purpose. And I pray that you make prayer um, have a living aspect to our hearts. And I just ask you to do that for our body, those that are here and those that aren't here, Lord. Increase our, our love for prayer. In Jesus' name, do I hear amen? Amen. 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 I'm just going to preface with this and then I'm going to get right to it. Is I always hated prayer. I was raised an atheist. When I came to God... I, I started reading about prayer, and Jody would always say, she goes, all right, let's pray. And every time she'd say that, I'd go, oh. And, and 
it didn't dawn on me right away, but over you know, the first couple years of my Christian walk, I realized that one of the reasons why I hated prayer is because I always felt unworthy to be talking to God. I always felt unworthy. I was kind of feeling like, well, why is God going to tell me what to do? I totally blew it yesterday. How many of you had that feeling? Right? God, why is God ever going to do, do that? And it was kind of like an Old Testament viewpoint of it, an, an Old Testament without looking forward to the Messiah. And, and as I started understanding the gospel that in Christ I could enter the, the throne room with confidence, God increased my desire to pray. That I didn't have to be perfect to pray, but I had to understand that Christ was made perfect for my namesake. And that I could enter prayer any time that I wanted to and that God was going to change me through that prayer. Amen? Amen. Another thing that stopped me from prayer is I'd have this saying. I prayed about that. God didn't do anything. God's just going to do what he's going to do. So why waste my time praying? Have you ever had that? Where you just kind of, only two of you? Three of you? Really? Am I the only loser in the room? Has anyone else gone through that? Just raise your hand, honestly, because I would wonder. And, and you kind of just think, well, you know, and, and, it, and it started with this. We had a, a, a little girl in our church, one of my best friends, Tony Banuelos, and him and his wife, Rita, and they, they had a young girl, Adele, and she died. And she died of a radical cancer. It was very rapidly spreading. And it, did, it happened. It literally spread and grew like crazy in like three days, and she died. And I remember praying and praying and praying and praying, and it didn't change the outcome. And I remember just, you know, everybody holding her little body, lifeless body, and passing her around the room as we, you know, prayed goodbye at this point. And I remember walking home. I was probably two or three years old in the Lord. And I just said, okay, God, you know, I I thought for a moment there that you were going to do something. I go, so prayer is worthless. It's just worthless. You're just going to do what you're going to do. And I, I literally just shut my heart down to prayer. You know, people go, do you need prayer on this? And I go, I'll pray for you, but it's not going to do any good. God's just going to do what he's going to do. Just forget about it. And I, I don't know if you've ever gone to that place. Um, but it really, it really sidetracked me for a long time. And God started building my, my courage and confidence up. And I, I'll tell you the truth. God is going to do what he wants to do. He really is. But God is good. That's what I've learned from God. And, and, and you, I, you could be so attached. And I wanted little Adele to live. And she does live in the presence of the living God. And her parents were broken. And I, they're, they're doing awesome right now. And they've reconciled it with God. And sometimes you do have to trust God to an an incredible sovereignty that's beyond your knowledge. And it does take trust and it cannot be humanly made up. It has to be divine. God had to heal my heart because I'm telling you, I was ticked at God. I was ticked at God. I was frustrated with God. And I've been pastoring people for quite a few years, more than a couple decades. And... I see people with their heart hard toward God and it's difficult because you want to see them have a breakthrough. And I pray that today that'll happen for you. I pray. And if you're already a person who's praying, I hope that your prayers get more Holy Spirit led. Okay? I'm going to get right to it. Here is going to be my point. Okay? Victory prayer. I call it, I'm going to call it V prayer. V prayer happens by grace through faith. That's my fourth point. The second point is V prayer happens in God's timing. It happens in his timing, in his ways, in his purpose. And I'm going to tell you that victorious prayer, V prayer, happens when we're together. God wants us together where two or more are gathered. Gather the elders and pray. You know, when they were all in one room praying together, there's some things that God won't do because he's waiting to show everyone the miracle. Sometimes confessions like that, oh God, give me a breakthrough, give me a breakthrough. God's going, confess it. You're going, how come? Because other people are going to see what I'm going to do in you too. Not just you. How many say amen? All right, let's start with the first one. 
Victorious prayer happens by grace through faith. The Bible says, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. In him, by the grace of God, we have a high priest who's entered into the heaven. The Bible says we can enter his throne room by grace. Because Christ is righteous and has ascended to the Father in humanity, in his human form, that he ascends there, he gives us access to the throne of God. Amen? When Christ is crucified, the veil to the most holy place in the actual temple was torn in half, giving us access to that throne room. And people will, you wonder, how can the Old Testament, I see people praying, and they seem to have access to God, when we need Christ to access the throne room. Well, the world can talk to God, and God can answer based any anytime he wants to, to anyone who talks to him. But there's a special intimacy and oneness that we get in Christ that's not just prayer, hey God, it's, a, it's an uh, 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 incarnated blend of my soul to his soul that our prayer provides for us now in Christ. Do I hear amen? amen. I have a unity with God that cannot be severed. And it's not there, and it was not put there by me. It was put there by him. And his work is what accomplished it. That's why my work can't unaccomplish it. And that's why he says, don't worry, I'll never leave you or forsake you. But he does talk within those realms and says, sometimes draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. That's within the domain of that salvation. Now that you have it, press in. Amen? Okay. Also, Romans 5, 2 says, through faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. we, We have access to God in this way because of what he's done. It's not up there, but Ephesians 2, 4 says, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We, that means that we are in the heavenly realms right now. In him. In him we were chosen before the foundation of, of the earth. That means that we are in him. There is a power there. Amen? And th- there's just one scripture, and most people know this. But if you think that you access them through your own righteousness, maybe you grew up in church and you go, God's going to listen to me because, you know, he, he thinks I'm really cool. You know, there's a special thing about me. If you don't realize that you're getting there by the work of Christ, Jesus himself gives this example. I, I try to use it a couple times a year because I think it's so important in our culture here. It says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness. Okay, they thought, huh. Jesus tells this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee. The other, a tax collector. Think about it, the tax collector. He's kind of, you know, the bad influence in the town. He's taking everybody's money. It's not so different than today. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Unless you're getting money back, right? The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. Look at it. He stood by himself and he prays, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers. Listen, I'm not a thief, right? I'm not, I don't do evil, and I, and I definitely don't lust in any way. What, what does Jesus say right around that same scripture? He says, if you look at a woman you're, with lust in your heart, it's the same thing, right? So how many would say we've been guilty? Come on. Ah, thank you for being honest. Okay, and the thing is, how many have done evil? How many would consider yourself you've been an evil doer? Come on, listen. If you can be honest with this, then you can relate to this because the religious one says I'm not those things. So God answer my prayer because I haven't been those things. And He says that I'm not like this tax collector. He literally is pointing to the guy next to him. He goes, and I'm glad I'm not like him. And then He tells his accomplishments. Not only did I not do that, but I fast twice a week, two days a week. I don't eat anything. To draw near to God. How holy is that? Right? And he goes, and look, I go to church and I give. The, the pastor gives a sermon and I give it. 
And he's saying, so because of that, the Lord ought to answer my prayer. Listen, that means your hopes in yourself. There is so much religion like this where people have hope in themselves. And you're really going to stand before God one day and go, look at what I did. Oh, I would hate to be you. Seriously, I would hate to be you because I'm going to be on my face pointing to the cross. I'm telling you, I will be on the... You might look at me and go, well, you're just not as holy as you think you are, Pastor, as I am. I know. That's why I'll be on my face pointing to the cross with the rest of the losers, right? And the sinners and the tax collectors. And I'll see them all there because he tells that thief on the cross, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradiso, right? There is something out there. But the tax collector, it said, stood at a distance. He was afraid to draw near because he would not even look up to heaven. But he beats himself. He hit himself. And he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I love Jesus' answer because it's so contradictory to our religious world. He says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. That is the God who became flesh talking to us. That one went home justified. Oh. For all those who exalt themselves, you're going to be humbled. For those who humble themselves will be exalted. And if you think that I'm talking about the reason you get to God is through humility, no, the true humility leans on the cross. That's where this Luke scripture is going to. Okay, so uh, victorious prayer happens by God's grace, okay? Uh, Number two, victorious prayer happens in God's timing. And and I want to address this. Why does God wait to answer our prayers? Okay, and I put the phrase there, since God is all-powerful, shouldn't he answer immediately? He's got the power to do it. Why doesn't he? And what's the purpose for God delaying our prayer requests? Okay, I'm just going to go through several of them here. The first one, letter A, is he's changing my motives. I come to him and I go, God, do this. And he starts changing my motives. And, it's, and James says it this way. He goes, when you ask, when you, when you ask God, when you're asking him for things, you don't get it because you're asking with the wrong motives that you may spend on what you get with your pleasures. And sometimes you have to ask yourself, if I get this, what do I want to do with it? And then don't deny it, right? Don't deny it. Say, I want this because, you know, because I'm going to look cool if I get this, Right? I won't have to trust anymore if I get this. I've asked God times for, I go, Lord, can you take care of these bills? And it's like, why? Because you want to provide for your family and some of these noble causes? And I go, no, because I'm sick of trusting you. (laughs) I just want to have like a week where I don't have to lean on you. You going to do it? Right? You know, or, or I want something, and I could tell it's not that God doesn't want me to have fun, but, but the fun outweighs the deepness of what he wants to do in me, okay? Letter B, he's teaching me to trust him without doubting, okay? And, and if you come to God, and you start to ask him, and you go, God, can you do this? And then you right away say in your mind, but I know you're probably not going to do it. And God goes, I don't want you to come half-baked like that. I want you to learn to come where you know what my will is and then you ask for it because you're in tune. We don't just come to God to give him a bunch of things we want him to do. Part of prayer is coming to God and finding out what he wants to do. Amen? Amen. He says, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Hebrews says it this way, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Part of victorious prayer is believing God will answer you. It's believing that he cares about you and that he has a vested interest in you. Okay? Letter C is he wants me to have peace first. There's something else he wants to talk to me about. Okay? Let's say you just sinned 
or you blew it, or you lied, or you lusted, or you just had some kind of betrayal in your own heart against somebody, or you've been gossiping. And all you have to do is kind of measure what you talk about. Do you just talk about what other people, how they blew it? That's called gossiping. Listen to what David cries out. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. You know, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed, it says in James. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. It, you just It's not that the righteousness of Christ didn't give you access even though you blew it. We're, you're still forgiven, but God's saying, I want you to deal with this first. It's kind of like Jody and I have an argument about something. It's small, but we just bickered about something, and off I go to wherever I'm going. I literally, I can't tell you, we, we, we've been married for a long time, and we've learned, just like Phil and Michelle have learned things. It's kind of like, I'll, I'll, I will pull over the side of the road, she'll pull over the side of the road, and I'll just go, and the Lord will just deal with me. It's like, I can't just go out and have my quiet time, because as soon as I start praying, Lord, I want you to do, and he's going like, I'm not talking to you about anything until you get your things right with your wife. How many have heard that before? You know, and maybe it's your family. You disrespected your mom or you disrespected your, you know, your cousin or whatever, your, your boss or whatever. And God's going, no, you need to take care of this first. And I go, no, God, I'll deal with that later. And God's going, okay. Camp down saying, that's that song, do-da, do-da. But Lord, I want to tell you, I can't hear, but the angels sing, hallelujah, go. And, and you're trying to get God's attention. He's not like, you deal with that first. Right? This is an area, no matter what I say, every, no matter what you say, I'm going to bring it right back to this. Okay? This is why sometimes you don't get answers to prayer. I want answers. God's going, no, I'm not going to give it to you. And I love this. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. It says he was a righteous man. Job gave offerings and sacrifice, pointing to the cross. These sacrifices were representation of the sacrifice that would be to be for us. That we come in that sacrifice. Sometimes turn to God first. Amen? Jesus says it this way. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, then that's when you can ask whatever you wish, whatever you want. And it will be done for you. Because you're, you're in the Lord. You're, you're, you're in that koinonia fellowship. It's not talking about a salvific. You're still in the salvation relationship with God, but you're not in that emotional, intimate relationship with God. You're, you feel separate because you blew it. And God's going, get that right. Turn to someone and say, get it right first. Okay. Letter D, another reason why we wait for prayer is God knows that the timing is not right and or I'm not willing to wait. And I've learned this about the Lord. His timing is off. Have you noticed that? It's like, have you heard the phrase the 11th hour? God has like the 13th hour, right? Right? And it's like, you're waiting. It's like, what are you waiting on? Right? And doesn't it reveal your heart? You start to, uh, you find yourself accusing God. You go, God, you know, you don't like me or whatever. God's getting at the root of what you really think about him. Because he wants to deliver you from it. And that's when you start to get these motions. God, I think this and that. And God's going, I know. That's why I brought it to the surface. Let's heal you from it. That is not who I am. And I will do things, and you'll trust my sovereignty, that I am the God who works for you in every possible way. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry. Don't, don't start worrying. Yeah, but this guy's prospering, and this guy's doing good. How come you're not answering my prayer? He goes, don't worry about the evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked scheme. Fretting, the Bible says, leads only to evil. Don't, don't be jealous just keep it in there. Psalm says, Psalm 130 says, I wait for the Lord, my whole being or my soul waits. And in his word, I put my hope. There's a waiting where we wait with our whole being, with our whole fiber. Amen? 
Okay, letter E, another reason why we wait is he knows I'm asking for the wrong things. This is kind of tied to the wrong motives. I'm asking for the wrong things. You know, God, give me this. You know, give, give me more money. But I'm, I'm not, when I get money, I, I don't give first. You know, I'm not a good steward of my money. You know, I have no self-discipline. I'm not leading my family anywhere, but I'm going, God, give me more money. That's what I need. He goes, you don't need more money. You need better stewardship. Start praying for that. Lord, help me be good with the money I have. I need more friends. Why don't you be a good friend to one person first? You be the person that builds people up. I'll give you more friends. Right? Uh, It's the faithful with little principle. You ask for the wrong things. Because this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, what he wants, when he wants it, he hears us. Not just because he can hear it and not hear it. He can hear it. He, He actively puts it in his consciousness. And he says, and if we know that he hears us, Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. This is such a powerful principle. I've experienced this so many times where I realize what God wants to do and I can just pray it. And I've had other things where I've prayed it and asked God. And each time I pray, God's going, nope, I'm not doing it right now. I'm like, but why? Uh, 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 uh. All right, well, then I'm not going to talk to you as much as I had yesterday. <laughs> you know, and it's like, do you ever see yourself becoming less mature? Right? Does that ever happen to you guys? I know it happens to other people. Could you point to them? Because I want to know who they are. That's what I thought. Okay. <laughs> There's something about asking for your kingdom, kingdom come, your will be done. And there is the being in God's will, if you ask anything in God's will, and I want to put this scripture out here just for us. If, if you want to know how to give in God's will, one thing is the attitude. You want to go, man, I am good God's will. Ask yourself, am I thankful right now? Because he says, and this is something he says many times, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Being thankful. I can't tell you how many times my wife has told me this. Where I'll be wanting something and it's like I'm not contented. And she'll say, Eric, you know what your problem is? And I go, what? What's my problem? <laughs> you know? And she goes, you're not thankful. Yes, I am. You ever say that when you know you're not? You know, you're angry. I'm not angry. You're gossiping about people. I'm not gossiping about them. They're being idiots. Do you ever hear yourself say that? One of the ways you get into the will of God is you don't ignore things, but you get thankful about things. Lord, I don't have a whole lot of money right now. That means I could pretty much ask you for anything, right? Because I don't have anything. So you're going to come through for this. Lord, thank you for this relationship thing. You're going to teach me how to be a better man in the midst of it. And Lord, thankful for them, Lord. I know that they're probably just going through a hard time and don't know how to process this right now. But I pray that you do great things. I'm thankful for the situation. It's easier said than done, amen? <sighs> Letter F here. Sometimes he doesn't answer because he wants me to press in. There, there's a, I'm not going to get into the whole detail because of my time, but Genesis gives a couple examples, one with Moses, one with Abraham, and, and, and one here uh, with uh, Jacob. And the man there is God. It's a personification of God. And he's wrestling with Jacob. And he ends up twisting his hip out of place. And Jacob walks with a limp and later talks about it, you know, as a, as a broken, uh, as a humbling part of his life of submission. But, but God's here commending him for him because Jacob is wrestling with God and he gets to the point where he says to him, he goes, I'm not going to let you go. The, the, God is saying, okay. Um, he goes, just let it go. Let it happen. Let me go. It's daybreak. It's the end of the day. Just let it go. And he goes, I'm not letting it go until you bless me. I, I need something from you, God. I need it. 
And there are sometimes God is not answering the prayer because he's saying you got to press in. You got to press in. I am doing a heart change right now. You are so close. This is a time where you're going to transform. You press in. And I have experienced that pressing in. I talk to young pastors and they're telling me their trials. And I'll go, Jody and I will look at each other and I go, I know that trial. You are so close. Yeah, but I'm broken. I know. But break. Break. Let the Lord break you. Don't be like the mule or the horse who needs to be Britain bridled. Humble yourself. And he'll lift you up rather than letting the Lord humble you. And you press in. And letter G, sometimes God has a better plan than my plan. Right? I'm praying, Lord, open this door. I want this job. Or someone's going, I want this girl as my girlfriend. And I want this and I want that. And God's going, no. It's not what I have for you. And you wonder why God is so silent. God is not Aladdin or the genie in the bottle where you kind of rub it and then he comes out and goes, what do you want? You go, I want you to do that and then this and that. And you go, oh man, I should have asked for five more miracles. Right? Listen, that isn't how God is. God is working and conforming to the pattern of his will. And he does it on your behalf. Listen to his, and everyone knows this scripture, but I can't go by without this one because it's written in so many places, but this is the best concise summary of it. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. Jesus says, I I come that you'll bear much fruit. I, I want you to have abundant life. And he goes, I'm not here to harm you. I have plans to give you hope and a future. Sometimes God has a better plan than my plan. Amen? Come on, amen? Amen. God has a better plan. My prayers have stopped, and God's going, I have something better. I can't, when God was calling into ministry, I have shared this many times, but I wanted God to do things because once he set me on that direction, I knew he did. I said, okay, God, well, open doors. I don't want to sit around. I don't do well just sitting around. I need a purpose so I can apply myself. You know, I was a professional soccer player. You know, I've been training my whole life. Give me something to train. You know, give me something to do. And God made me sit and wait. And I'm like, God, this is a stupid plan. (laughs) But I noticed that there was an oven all around me with extra flames. And it was like getting turned on. And I'm going... And people always pray that prayer. They don't realize that the Holy Spirit fire. Oh, Lord, let your Holy Spirit fire fall on me. And God's got a blowtorch and he's going, really? All right, praise God. (laughs) 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 Because God is burning that stuff you don't need, right? And he's, he's teaching you that he is trustworthy. And he's getting rid of stuff that you don't need. And it it doesn't help you. It's not a part of you. It's not part of the soul that he knit together. It's added stuff. It's little things that we've gathered, little tools. It's like you become a pack rat with your humanity. And you've collected it all. And so have I. God's going, you don't need that. You are powerful in me. Walk in the power of the uniqueness and the soul and the, 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 the minimalist and maximizing at the same time of God in me, his power. <sighs> naked from the womb I come, naked I will depart. Amen? Amen. Last one, number three. And this is where I'm just going to lay out our prayer. Victorious prayer happens when we're together. We believe God wants to do something in our congregation. And we believe God wants to lead us to a new place. We don't know that for sure. We don't know the timing. And I'll tell you right now, I don't have any... I don't have this. This is exactly what I think God's going to do. I have my own ideas about it. But I don't know. If you are in the church world, in church world... 
There are tons of resources. You can go to Christianity Today and they'll give you a kit that says how to raise money for your church building plans. I have never bought those and will never buy one of those. And it's not because I have some resistance to it. I don't want to be led by some canned thing. I want to be led by the Spirit of God, don't you? And and I, I know that God leads churches to some of those things, resources, and they're helpful in the fact of thinking about those things. But I don't want to get us together, like, let's all pray so that everybody has one heart and mind to get us what we think we want. I just can't do it. Having said that, I believe that God wants us to seek the Lord together. That he's not going to do these kind of miracles that by just me or a few leaders or a few pastors or 20 leaders. God wants to do this as a congregation. I really believe that. And I I believe that the Lord spoke that to me. One heart and one mind together as a church. That God would give us direction. Do you believe God is able to talk to the body of Christ? We can hear the church, hear the Lord as leaders, but sometimes we can't hear him as a community. And I believe that God wants to speak to us. And if the Lord tells us we're going to stay in this place and we're going to just do more services and do something else, then I want to do that. If the Lord tells us to plant four churches and close our church down, I'll do that. I want to do whatever the Lord wants us to do. And that's the heart of our prayers. Would you join us in those prayers? Would you? Just turn to somebody and go, are you going to join them in prayer? Do, do you think this is your church? Or is this just Eric and Jody and Ira and a few others' churches? Is this just our church? Or is this not our church, but it's your church? And, and I'll tell you, I, I look out and I see so many. We have not, when I say perfect church, I didn't say we've had like gr- some grotesque sin because it hasn't been like that. But we've, we've made mistakes as a church. We've not been a perfect church. And I know that many of you have walked with us in all kinds of things, even when we haven't been the perfect church. And part of that's loyalty. And part of that is the fact that not loyalty like loyalty to us, but loyal to God saying, this is where I want you to be. And that we've grown. How many know that we have grown in, in maturity and in leadership as the life of a church. How many know we've grown in that? That God has done great things and he will continue to do those things. And there are some things that I'm glad God did not do for us because we would have been stupid with what he gave us. But I believe that God is taking us into a new season and I'm encouraging us to pray. And I put this down here. This is what we came up with as a staff, a short time of prayer, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, a mobilizing prayer that we pray. And I'm going to finish with, I'm going to start with this unity prayer today. And I'm going to encourage you to pray it. And those who are our leaders at our one heart, one mind meeting, we'll pray this tonight. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I encourage you, if you have a small group, that you pray it with your small group or pray it as your family, that God would give us unity. Number two, on Monday, God would give us ears to hear what he's saying. Amen? That God would, number three, make us into a community, different communities. We're we're a large group community. We're small group communities. We're family communities. That God would give us good discipline with our stewardship. That God, and then Thursday, the last one, that God would make us obedient to what he shows us. And then on, um, on, let me see here, on Thursday, September 25th, the final day of our five days of prayer, we're going to meet here at two times, 12 o'clock and 6 o'clock. So if you work and you can't make it at 6, you know, then, you know, because you get out work late, we make the 12 o'clock, and if you can't make the 12 o'clock, hopefully you can make the 6 o'clock. We would like to get together and spend about an hour together praying and just seeking the Lord as a church. I want to encourage you to come. Just will you turn to somebody and say, can you come if you can make it? We don't want to be here with five people. I know we won't, and there are some people that are just loyal that they'll come, but I would like everybody to come. If you can make it one of these times, I'd like you to find a way to make it. And then we have a mobilize at adventurehome.org. 
is if you're hearing from the Lord, we would like you to either tell us in person or would you type it up and send us to tell us what you believe that God is saying so that we can ponder that. Every week we pray through prayer requests as a staff all the way through. We spend hours in prayer, um, you know, along with our pastoral team and our leadership team uh, throughout the week. And God wants to do something awesome. Amen? Amen. And I believe if God is bringing us to a new season as a church body, I bet you he's doing the same thing in your personal life. Amen? So, did you get something out of this message? Did you raise your hand if you did from the, to the Lord? You know, I'm not looking for kudos for me. I'm just a person telling you what the Bible already says. I'm no genius. Just keep your hand raised. You're not that tired, are you? I'm so tired, Pastor. I can't believe you're making me raise my hand this long. It's so controlling. I, I just want to, I want us to be a witness, amen, amen, that God spoke to us this morning, that he was here. We're a church where God's presence is here. He's with us. We're not just playing church. And Lord, keep your hand up. Would you solidify these deep things in our hearts? And I'll have our base camp leaders come forward. Lord, we want to be filled with your power. We want to be able to grow in our intimacy with you. We don't want to look just to our own works. We know that Christ has given access anytime, any place to the throne room of God. And Lord, we want that intimacy. I want to know your depth. I want to know you and your suffering, what you've accomplished through it, your victorious prayer. Draw us close to you. And to those who, you know, you need some discipleship and you're going, you know what? I needed to be grounded. Or you've been walking with the Lord. You've had discipleship. You're new to our church and you're thinking, I I want to know what they believe about discipleship and remind myself, we have a ministry called Base Camp. It's the last room as you exit the, the building, the second to last room on the right. We meet there afterwards and you can come up to one of our leaders, our base camp leaders and talk to them and say, I need prayer. I would like to be get help and mentoring, finding out what the Lord has for me. And they will help you. They're not going to lord it over you. They're here to serve you. It doesn't matter. You're, you're, you might be a young adult. It doesn't matter. Come on forward to it. And last of all, if you've not turned to Christ before and you need his forgiveness, if you need the forgiveness of the Lord today, will you just raise your hand to say, Lord, I need to be forgiven. I need your mercies. I need them to be new this morning. Lord, save me, heal me, deliver me. And he will. In Jesus' name. Do I hear amen?